The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Habs and Minded. We're actually dynamic duo back here and feels a little bit like last year, Anton, doesn't it? It does. It feels like the good old days. When uh, when Montreal actually were performing. Now, jokes aside, yeah, I mean, they are performing going, right Yeah, now. it's actually going quite well now. I mean, Martin Saint-Louis is getting close to the uh, whole win tally of uh, Dominique Duchamp for the 21-22 season. So, I mean, Montreal are up to 15 victories at, at this moment, right? And, and Duchamp had eight of them, so... Yeah, and yeah. Uh, there is a game on in about what? What is it? Eight nine, nine hours? Yeah, eight nine hours, something like that. So, uh, so um, th- there is room for improvement from Martin San Louis in that stat because he, we have been really, really impressed from uh, what he has achieved in that short time. There's okay. a lot of players that has taken a step forward. Cole Caulfield, obviously, but others as well. Yeah, but it will just be interesting to see because obviously um, it felt like all of the players were kind of, um, well, they, they had no confidence. They were just, uh, and there seemed to be no plan in what they were what they were performing on the ice, off the ice, any, anything. So just getting a new voice in there was, you know, it, it must have been a pleasant change for all of the players. But it will just be interesting to see if, if San Louis and his coaching staff can keep this momentum up and just... You know, perform better when there are actual ex- expectations. You know, if he gets to stay on, you know, and, and have a have an off season training program, like what what will he bring to the team for for next year? That that will be uh, the interesting part because, like, let's face it, they couldn't get any worse than it was by the time Duchamp was fired. Indeed, it, it, I, I totally agree with that. And uh, the, the one thing that I you, you touch on it, and I think we're meaning the same thing, but from different angles. And, and I think confidence really is is what has been the, the new voice, as you say, in the in the dressing room. But also mm. the the confidence that maybe he he has got these players to feel. You take a look at Archer Lekkonen, that it's arguably yeah. playing with some of his best hockey in in Montreal Canadiens. He's actually scoring at a at a goal per game paces for the last you know five games or something. That's incredible to be lucky. Yeah, and then Cowfield as well. Yeah, similar kind of player as San Louis. You know, it 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 seems like these kind of players that maybe have been, especially forwards that has been mismanaged or or not instilled confidence in or or being asked to do a role which they can do but maybe excel at other things. They have gotten a new lease and and it's really really interesting. And question is. Um, and and we can toss this out, and you can ask and uh, answer us in the comments. Should <laughs> Archer Lekkonen be traded with the with the way he's playing right now? Um, 
I'd say it would be a good guy to keep around. No, I, the... I'd say trade, trade everyone, trade. <laughs> no, 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 seriously. I, I just like, I enjoy the content and, and like, I don't know, like I love Arturi Lekkonen as player and I'm I happy think we all him. do. Yeah. But, but it's just like, I mean, if you think about it from a financial standpoint or like, you know, uh, of an asset management, I mean, there would be no better uh, opportunity uh, to trade him than now, because like, obviously in a year he will be a pending UFA if they just, you know, if they aren't, if they aren't able to lock him down for, for a long term. Um, so, so, you know, being a pending RFA now and being on the hot streak that he is right now and having the pedigree of being a very undervalued, uh, you know, middle six, um, 200 foot player. I mean, if, if you performer. want to, yeah, and, and if you want to get, like, max value out of that kind of player, I mean, this is the time. It's the same as, you know, Ben Chirot is, is a player who obviously should get traded when we come to the trade deadline, just because, like, if you're in a rebuild, you're not going to get a long-term extension done with a 31-year-old who is, you know, he should... Like, if Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon are honest about what they want to do with this team... They want to have a, a, a team built on pace and, and you know, um, pace and flair. Ben Chirot shouldn't be a part of that. So it's better that he goes to a different team, like, like a David Savar signing for a, that Tampa did last year, for example. And, and like, Lekkanen, I mean, he turns 27 this year. It would be fun from an objective standpoint to see what he can do uh, on a different team. You mean like Lars Zeller? hoisting the cup (laughs) yeah like uh, honestly like i'm happy for lars eller like montreal weren't part of like there was no real uh direction in montreal anyway so any player that you kind of like it's fun even if it's on the wrong team it's still fun to see them do well in their careers um like I feel like with Lekkonen, it's great to keep him around. If you don't get that, you know, over-the-top offer, obviously you keep him around and you try to extend him. But if you get a really good offer, I I, do, I wouldn't say he's untradeable. Like some of our colleagues say that he's untradeable. I think that you, uh, having a strong emotional connection to Lekkonen as well, would say that he's untradeable. I would say no. No, I, be- for the right price, you trade him. I, yeah. I totally. The question is... Would you trade him for two twos or, or or one first? I mean, like that's 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 uh, where I I, yeah, I don't know uh, really uh, at this what point, I would do. Like I would say, like a first would probably be adequate before this month. But but you know, considering how well he has played now and in the points column as well, if he can add that to a team, we've seen what guys like Barkley Goodrow and and Blake Coleman have gone for, and they were more of you know just that you know bottom six. Not grinder, but two hundred foot player who can just get get into a playoff uh, and, and you know strengthen your strengthen your bottom six. But if Lekkonen can add that you know scoring value as well, I think he's worth more than just the first. Yeah, and uh, the, for me, I'm I'm looking at it at a first. Fine, you you, you take that trade. Uh, two twos, I'm not really sure. That that's the the bottom line. But uh, moving from past. Uh, prospects of the European prospect report to, to current mm. prospects in the European prospect report uh, we, we, because that's why we're here and that's what we I convinced you to join the pod again and and yeah I haven't heard your voice in ages Anton so yeah, hence hence why I'm happy to talk to you um, Friedrich Dieschau, um formerly of Malmö obviously your kind of area and now Kripanstad mm. has had a, leap, a, a, a giant leap forward this year and, and after two really 
crappy performances for being Dishao um, in the last two games. He still tied first for second for the no tied first for save percentage. Uh, he's up there in regards to goal against top five, but it's it's <laughs> even after the Olympic adventure and Krihansta riding him hard. I think this is a leap forward. The question is, what will it mean to go to Frelundal in next year? Because he won't be playing as much then. No, it'll be, um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of competition Frelundal will give him. We can kind of... I mean, I don't know if Matt Tompkins has... He's going uh, to Dynamo, Dynamo yeah, Moscow exactly, exactly. unless anything happens with um, whatever goes on with Russia and yeah, exactly. or the That's war. That's the difficult part as well. We on. don't know what KHL yeah. will have. Uh, and but season. Tompkins is out because Lars Johansson is coming back. Mm. So and yeah. and the question is maybe if because obviously and and this is the scare the the, the, the sort of weird thing everyone knows that Dijao is going to Frölunda, but the mm. contract can't be signed until the first of May. And same, I would assume for for someone like um, uh, Tompkins, um, they he I don't think he can sign until the first of May either with with the, with the Moscow club. So there might be a hiccup here, and whatever goes on goes on. But as it as we're recording this and what we know, we we consider that Dishow goes to Frölunda. Also, it has obviously Tompkins is going to ask for quite a bit of money, mm-hmm. uh, obviously because he's been outstanding in, in SHL. Um, mm-hmm. And um, the question is, maybe he's Swiss bound in that regard if if it doesn't come back. And one would assume that either KHL folds or KHL will stop foreign um, players because I can't see that the Western community will just jump on and, and open normal relations with Russia after this war has finished, or if it's still ongoing at that time. Um, which which might leave Dishao in a sort of weird position, but it's obviously not something anyone could have foreseen uh, when the decision was made. Um, I think he needs to play. Uh, one, we, we, we've spoken to Max Schrombay earlier this, uh, this year, and uh, he said, and and I trust him a lot, even in especially in regards to Dishow and Kukhansta, but also in regards to his outlook on hockey. Very good guy. You should follow him on Twitter, even if he does only tweet about you know predators and in Swedish. Uh, but he agrees with the fact that you're looking at maybe 20 games, and that includes you know Champions Hockey League and SHL and the playoffs. Mm. And is that a good development for for Dishow? I don't know. But it's also the fact I think Dishow gets to probably got to sign with his or, or have a deal with his childhood favorite club, because yeah. a lot of Danish players has Frölunda as their favorite club, and well, the ones coming up now is going to have Rögle, but <laughs> but there it is, and 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 it gives us a little bit of a of a decision. Like it, it's problematic, obviously, and uh, the war makes it even more problematic. Um, because we don't know what will happen with the contracts that has been agreed upon verbally with KHL teams. Yeah, but it's also like the question is just like uh, the 
the training that he will get in Frölunda, obviously, like they are, they are known for developing players all around, and they develop goaltenders as well. Uh, will that be enough? Like he's twenty one this year; he just turned twenty one. If we look at him like being a backup for Lars Johansson next year, uh, I don't know how how long of a you know it will probably be a two year deal, right? I, I'm I'm unsure about that. It's probably yeah. a two year deal. I'm just Frölunda. thinking, like, for, but for a 21 on the other year hand, old, it would make sense. It will be his fourth year, so he Montreal will be able to sign him anyway. Okay, yeah, because I was thinking, like, if he's a backup for Frölunda for a year and then you know gets brought over to the AHL for for like the 22, 23 season, no, 23, 24 season, um, will that you know develop him enough in regards to you know maybe? If he were to go to you know a smaller team or even staying in Kuhansta and and you know just playing you know 40, 50 games a season, would that develop him more? We don't know, but we know that Frölunda. I mean, goalies develop later as well. So like if we consider if we compare him to like a guy um, as well Jacob Olofsson, for example, he feels kind of it feels like he's kind of done already, even though he's just 21, 22. While Dichov, it it feels like he's just getting started. Indeed, it, it really does. And uh, you have to look at it from, from that point as well. And there is sort of a logjam in AHL for Montreal. He would mm. he could probably go to AHL, but how many games would he get there along with the, with the goalies that will be there next year? We're not sure. And I can understand he bets on himself and learning from arguably one of the best player, uh, best goalies in Europe uh, with Lars Johansson. And yeah. understudy under him and, and learning. I mean, let's face it, Frelna will have a great team next year as well. And and it will help develop him, even if it's mostly practices and, and that bit. We have seen that he can come in and steal games this year. It's something that we never saw really in the under-20 tournament. I, I remember, I, I just remember that I dreamt tonight that Jake Allen was traded uh, <laughs> right at the deadline. So we'll see if that you know turns out to be true. Uh, just thinking about the logjam that you were talking about, because obviously I I could assume that Montreal wants in some way they want Montembeau to 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 keep getting games in the NHL to see what they have in, in him, and they obviously want Caden Primo to play as much as possible in the AHL, and Kevin Poulin is playing really well in the AHL as well. Yeah, getting Allen and Price potentially back, you know, at the trade deadline or or beyond is just like all of a sudden you sit there with. You know, six goaltenders. Um, yeah, you got Verbatic and um, who is the other one that I? Yeah, yeah, Jakub Dobish. Yeah, Dobish. Yeah, but so, all, so, th- both of them are signed up for you know quite some time being in mm-hmm. the NCAA, so that's fine. But uh, but just wondering like what they want to do because obviously Montreal now aren't the team that they were this summer. Now they are going into some sort of a rebuild mode. Is it then worth to have you know a quality backup goaltender like Jake Allen, who's kind of a one B goaltender? I think that many of playoff many playoff teams would would uh, cherish having having someone like that on a value deal instead. Indeed, and uh, if we leave D show and and whatever going to happen uh, down the road, uh, we'll know more in May uh, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I have more or less confirmed the move to Frölunda. Uh, first and foremost, Johan uh, Sanson is <laughs> rarely ever wrong. In his predictions, and 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 when he has sources, he, they are usually safe. I have another source that has also confirmed it to me, but um, yeah, 
with the war going on and KHL probably imploding in one way or another, we're not really sure what will happen with Dishow uh, and and uh, especially with Tompkins and uh, going forward. In in speaking about Frölunda, we we have to mention Matthias Norlinder, who's also faced a little bit of a logjam this um, um, since he's returned to AHL. First and foremost, he got hit. Um, didn't look that bad. Got a hit into the glass um, and didn't return to play that game. After the game, after he started, played for a couple of minutes and then was taken off as a precaution, and he was left out of the lineup for quite a bit. Um, and then he's at the time of Norlander being in uh, Laval and in Montreal, Fronda also signed uh, Anders uh, Borman, Andreas Borman, um, formerly of AHL, Tampa Bay Lightning, Circular Crunch, Toronto Marlies, yeah, Leafs, whatnot, um, Texas Stars, I forgot them. So, so he's been around um, to a long-term deal, uh, which has meant that Norlander lost his spot on the first power play. Uh, he lost his spot on the second pairing. So he now plays second power play and third pairing, mm-hmm. uh, along with Philippe Wanson. Um, it's not the kind of development that Montreal probably wanted. And um, I know it's a new regime in Montreal and everything, but um, yeah, it's a little bit of a Kohlberg syndrome as of now. One thing is for sure. Uh, he is on a Montreal contract, so and his contract with Frenda runs out, so he will be going to Montreal this summer. Um, one has to wonder a little bit about how he feels after whatever happened this fall um, and uh, his personal emotions aside. Uh, but one, as, as, as we say, one thing is for sure, unless he gets traded, uh, he will be in Montreal come fall. Um what is your expectations for the rest of the season and, and uh, how do you view the situation, Anton? Well, this feels kind of a, like a punt of situation. I, I feel like when it comes to Norlinder, what's worrying about him is that these injuries keep propping up. Um, that he, you know, he, he, he gets on some kind of a, you know, role and then he, you know, whatever injury turns up, it just feels like, I mean, he's 22 this year. We talked about it with Olofsson, and obviously Norlinder has had a better trajectory moving forward. He's even played in the NHL already. Um, But, like, I look forward to seeing him. I don't know if it will be the same coaching staff in Laval next season, considering this one was brought in by, uh, by the former regime. But it will. I think that he will benefit from you know doing an Ilonen because we remember if we remember Jesse Ilonen his last season in the Liga, he didn't look as impressive as you know you could see the potential always being there, but it just felt like he needed um, someone who really wanted to develop him instead of just seeing him as a as a piece of the puzzle that you are no longer going to have for the next season. And it's kind of the same for Frölunda now. They know that Norlinder is going to leave. So why would they, you know, worry about, you know, his development? They worry about their own development. They want their team to be as strong as possible to, you know, potentially get a Swedish title again and, and potentially getting far in this, uh, you know, Champions Hockey League and all that. Like, that's more interesting for Frölunda. So 
I at this moment I don't see Matthias Norlander with you know the season he's had that we should have the expectations of him being an NHL starter already next year. I see him more as a developmental AHL guy, um, and that's not in a bad way. I, I feel like it's the kind of route that Josh Brook had to take as well. We, we don't know what's going to end up happening with Josh Brook in the long term either but there is talent there and it's just about you know refining a few things and then all of a sudden a few years down the line maybe you have a jake evans story where you know you can go into an nhl starting lineup and perform you know really well in in you know not not a not a key role but an important role for any team with you know playoff aspirations i won't have to say i mean for me it's it was more like with the season started in Montreal, um, Matthias Norlander became the shiny new toy that needed to expose, be exposed and showcased a little bit. And maybe he, I think for Norlander, and I haven't spoken to him about this, so this is not me using my knowledge um, in that regard, but I think Norlander must have felt a little bit betrayed he was probably it's it's a very strong word and i don't mean it as strong as it comes across but i think he he wasn't aware he could be kept along that long because before he left he was like yeah i'm going to camp and then i'm coming back mm-hmm. and and i think that maybe deceived might be be a better word but i think he 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 wasn't prepared to stay that long and um all, all we spoke, said about it when, when I spoke to Matthias was that he wasn't happy living in a hotel room for three months. I think that was that, that's where we left it. Mm. And um, uh, I mean, I can understand that because he went in there with, with one objective and to, and, and to be, be there. And if he didn't make it the NHL outright, he would go back to SHL. And then it was, you know, injuries, playing a little bit in AHL, being, sent, being kept up playing in the NHL he was he he said he loved the bell center couldn't wait to be there with more fans so so it made a great impression on him but mm-hmm. i think the the uh, the whole situation around him really wasn't um, handled best from either side probably uh, in regards to what was mentioned in in Gothenburg post as well um what what I have seen since his return after the injury in SHL is that he plays a little bit more physical, mm. uh, more of a North American kind of play in front of the net, and I think that's that's probably where he felt he needed to improve, and that's probably what he's spoken with the development team over in in Montreal. So it's he seems to have taken that to to heart in order to make the transition over to NHL and AHL much easier. Um, but yeah, that that's. That's where we're probably going to leave Matthias Norlander and and go into another one that has been left out of the lineup for far too long because Emil Heinemann hasn't played more than one full game since the trade. And uh, he's been out of the lineup since 10th of February. and uh, Lexan is playing right now and he's not in the lineup. So, so, so we can say it's, it's even longer. Um, I'm not very high on this kid. I'll, I'll be honest with that. Um, I know we said it in the pod when he was traded that I see him more of a forward with a good shot that you don't want to have in your defensive end. He's big. 
he skates relatively well and and that's really good but his hockey IQ I I, I don't really see it in the defensive end yet and uh, I think he's a project and then it also comes up and and it's I feel like I'm part of that money ball where you sit and you say that repeat the same thing as everyone else and when when they're looking at how to fill up the roster and but I'm, I'm looking at it he's been traded twice already and he hasn't even played an nhl game yet so what kind of prospect is it we're getting um very very interesting to see when he returns to the ice obviously the whole of montreal's eyes will be on 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 the player and i'm sure lexon will really enjoy the exposure to to north america but but yeah, it's. Um, I'm not sure he is the player you wanted in that trade. Well, I mean, Montreal obviously wanted him, um, and since you know all the talk after after the trade happened was that Montreal really wanted to include Heinemann. That's the guy they wanted in the trade back for Toffoli. So you know, I trust that they see something that we may not hear, and they, I trust as well that whatever is keeping him out of the lineup, uh, you know, during this last month, that it's not you know something that will keep him out of the lineup long term. I trust that Alexan has some kind of a plan for him moving forward because obviously it benefits it benefits them as well since he's you know signed up for for a few years there. Um, you know, he, he's he's done well if you just look at points and everything you know having 11 goals in 37 games as a 20 year old it's not bad by any means it just shows that well perhaps there are other things that he needs to develop but you know if we take Ilonen for example as as you know as uh, someone to look at as well we, we see like Ilonen had the skating for example and, and the hockey IQ but he's still not up in the NHL as of yet and if we look at this as more of a long-term thing that it's not, you know, it's not important that Emil Heinemann plays for Montreal next season or the season after that, but, you know, in three or four years, perhaps, uh, that he can be, you know, some, some you know, provide some asset for, for the NHL team. And, you know, for a guy who is, you know, he's 6'1", he's 185, um, he has the size, he has the shot, he has the offensive acumen. If he needs to, if he needs to, you know, work on his skating a little bit, work on his defensive awareness, you know, that is there. That are things that can be worked on. Uh, it's difficult to teach someone to have a lethal shot. We've seen Mike Hoffman, for example. You know, he he has no defensive awareness whatsoever, but he still made a hell of a career in the NHL by just having a a quality power play kind of shot. Um, you can make a lot of money on that. So, like, if anyone can continue to work on his strengths and, you know, just be a little bit better um, in his own end, you know, who knows? Montreal obviously has seen Jeff Gordon and, and Kent Hughes have has seen something in in Emil Heinemann that they valued and that they wanted back for the fall. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm sure we'll have more to say about him when he's been able to play in the SHL. Mm. Um, one thing that we actually did, and you you touched on him already, um, forget in the in the uh, preview when when we were setting up who to talk about is Jacob Olafsson, and and let's not forget him. He's moved over to to uh, Björklöven top team in hockey Allsvenskan, but hasn't he started off quite well, but he's been moved up and down the lineup, being off uh, left off the the roster a few times, and this is what we have 
I mean, we've said it for the last two seasons when we previewed the the, the European player Santon. He hasn't. This is the kind of level where we expect Olofsson to be for the rest of his career. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of like losing hope. But he's uh, his uh, rights will with. Expire I mean, this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They expire this summer, and I would be shocked if Montreal does something to retain it. Um, like if they sign him, you know, it it really makes no sense. Uh, I mean, he's. He's not been bad. He has 13 points in 18 games in Hockey Allsvenskan and four Björklöven since he since he got there, which is not bad by any means. But you want someone who is, you know, in his fourth year of eligibility after, you know, being drafted to really dominate in the Hockey Allsvenskan level, like uh, Jonathan Delean, for example. That's what you want to see if you want to bring them, bring them over. Indeed. Otherwise, it's just... You know, it, it's a second round pick. So these guys will be from that draft. You see Jesperi Kotkaniemi, and then it's Alexander Romanov and Jesse Ullonen, and then Jacob Olofsson. So obviously, three of the three four. Three out of four is, is good value in, in some ways. Yeah, exactly. And then Jordan Harris in the third round, who, if, if he doesn't sign with Montreal, knock on wood, uh, he will be signed by another NHL team. So, you know, being able to call four out of five um, signable, you know, NHL prospects, you know, that that's not a bad draft by any means. Definitely not. And uh, we had high hopes for Olofsson. Mm. One person that we, we also have a mixed review upon really is um, Oliver Kapanen, who's had an up and down year in Liga. Uh, he's been out to loan on, in Mestis. He's been... In the under 20 league, he's been to Cadillac. He played, he played yesterday, I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in and the he played under two 20 games. league. Yeah. And he played uh, for Carpet two games early early February, where he performed very, very well. It was a loan I would have loved to see um, more um, extended, maybe. But one has to wonder a little bit. And, and I've been following Kalpa for, for a lot of time now ever since obviously since um Ikonen was there and i'm i'm wondering if tommy mietinen knows the coach of kalpa knows how to develop players mm. I'm, I'm really curious about that because it doesn't feel that way uh, he relies quite a lot on old players uh and, and leave these young players a little bit off the beaten track. Um, Is he like every Montreal coach ever? Yeah, it seems like that yeah. when, when, when we talk about it. Um, I know I've spoken to, to you know, people within the Canadians organization and, and uh, the, I've heard that there might be kind of a lack on an idea about him, that he should leave Kalpa and go to another team where he might uh, develop better with a better with with another kind of coach uh, it'd be interesting to see if that happens this summer but mm. um he he the role he had had in the world juniors was really really interesting when um the under 20 coach the world junior coach uh, put him on the second line in order to neutralize the the second best line for the opponents and give the lampert line a lot more offensive zone starts 
as a, and, and play them as a third line rather. I thought that was very, very well coached. Uh, we saw Finland playing really well with that kind of of attitude and and approach, and it's uh, it's probably somewhere there we're going to see Kapanen become a very good solid defensive center because mm-hmm. that's where where I think it will go. Um, as I said, I, I think a change of scenery would do him well. Yeah, uh, I mean he's and... played for four four teams this year. Like if you count the under twenties, so he's yeah. played for Kalpa, Kalpa five, under twenty. If you if you count the uh... <laughs> under twenty team in the World Juniors, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and like I mean he he's been on loan to the Mestis as he said for IPK, and then he's played for Kerpet as well in the Liga. So last night he actually it was the first game he played for twenty days or something. I don't know if he's been out yeah. with an injury. But he had two goals and an assist, so at least he's on the right he's, track going forward. He's too good for the under twenty league. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah I'm, sure. I'm, I mean, like that's obvious. Uh, I, in, in some ways, I'd rather see him in Mestis, the second division in in in, in uh, Finland, or Karpet. You know, if they had him up for for two games, it would be really, really interesting to see if they can do can can incite him and, yeah. and sign with them for next year. Because Carpet is really, really good at developing players. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, so that is probably the team in Finland. I would be super excited for him to go to. Uh, I would really appreciate some of the other teams as well. And um, speaking again about the war in Ukraine and and Russia folding, we really don't know what what uh, or KHL folding, not Russia, unfortunately. Uh, we really don't know what will happen when it comes to to Jokerit who might go back to Liga if they are allowing it. But that would also mean that there will be open roster spots for younger Finnish players in, in, in the capital. And um, yeah, it, it's it's a very, very weird situation, obviously, that arises here in Europe with whatever with the war that is going on. Yeah, I mean, we have no precedent, so we have no idea what's going to happen in just, you know, a week's time, let alone a month or five months. So, exactly, uh, and 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 also the precedent is 1936 and 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 40, you know, yeah. 39 and 40. Uh, so we really don't know because these leagues were not around at that time. No. And, you know, just when it comes to, like, work permits and everything, who will be allowed to get in and out of Russia, we have, we have no idea. And that that trickle-down effect, you know, on the European clubs, it just, it's it's strange to, well, we don't know what kind of a relationship there, there will be. We've seen, you know, a couple of teams already opting out of the KHL. And as you say, like, will they will Joker be going back to the league? And what does that mean for Liga? Like, will Liga actually let them in and then demote one of their... Uh, it's, a, actually... it's, a, it's a locked league, so they will just open up a new position. It will be a 16, 16 league team league in rather than a 15. Okay, yeah, okay. So, yeah. But it has to do with TV rights and everything as well. So mm. I, I would assume that is part of the problem. Uh, mm. I think that's NLA going off the tangent here again. It's opening up for six um, foreign players next year. Uh, which would probably help um, some of the European players that was in in uh, in KHL, KHL be yeah. able to to find new new teams to play in. But mm-hmm. yeah, this this could this will obviously impact development of younger players as well. Yeah, 
but let's not be uh, beat about around the bush about that. Uh, which leads us really into the two Russians, and uh, there is not much to say about them. Um, we, we can start with Alexander Gordin, who is in Soki, and yeah, he hasn't really shown over there, so let's write him off as a prospect in the same tangent as as uh, Jacob Olofsson. Um, uh, Kostenko, I mean, yeah, yeah. Gordon, Gordon was was already from the start a long shot. Yeah. Like kind of like Arsene Chisamutinov, it, it was kind of like, well, you take a punt on these guys in later rounds. They were both overagers, and just see if you can develop their skills. Gordon obviously had his shot, and you know, terrible skating. So now we are two years into that experiment, and and he's mainly still an MHL player, a junior player, and he's turning twenty one on July thirty first. So yeah, that's really not much to say apart from that. No, uh, and I think the the it was written on the wall when Ska said that they didn't want to keep him around. They'd rather trade him for I think it was money or, or mm. something like that in <laughs> to to Soki. Uh, yeah, so so yeah, we, that. we can look at his stats in Sochi as well. Like I mean, he's played fourteen games in the KHL and one goal. And what he's supposed to be doing is you know score. And if he gets traded to a worse team, you would expect him you know as you know, a guy turning twenty-one uh, this year, and if you look at his time on ice, it's it's very up and down. He yeah. got he got a good shot the first couple of games, and then he 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 was just let loose in, in many ways. Mm. Uh, either um, the one thing, one player that is interesting, but again, we're not sure what's going to happen here, as, as as we keep coming back to. But mm. uh, Kostenko, he played very well when it came to to playing with Chivik uh, in in uh, VHL mm. he was then sent down to MHL with Spartak uh, where he performed even better yeah and, well he's too good for MHL kind of like yeah, half on it yeah exactly exactly and then in the playoffs for VHL he's uh, had four games and, and three assists something that we come uh, to expect from 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 Kostenko um, he is a good player but also when you look at it from from a world junior point of view in in some ways he is not even on the b he's he's on like at the bottom end of the b team that's mm. where kostenko is so there are quite a few russian defenders ahead of him and um yeah uh he is a prospect uh and uh, we'll see where it comes from there mm. Yeah, I mean, he turns 20 this year. Uh, now he obviously has... He's closing in on 100 games in the second tier. Um, it will be interesting to see if he can... Well, we we have to make that reservation on all the you know players playing in Russia right now. We, we don't know what's going to happen with the KHL this fall. But he's obviously... His rights are, are had by Spartak Moscow. And if he can, you know take a spot on their team this upcoming fall, that would be great. It would be interesting to see what he can do in the KHL. Um, if it is another year in the VHL, it just feels like then it becomes more of a long shot that he actually will make it over. Um, because like playing second tier Russian hockey, I mean, it doesn't show you enough of, you know, a potential that you want to make, bring them over and, you know, insert them into an AHL and eventually an NHL lineup. You know, you can find these guys playing second tier. That kind of potential you can find in the ECHL if you wanted to. 
Yeah, and uh, also we I keep coming back to when I was in Engelholm for the Four Nations tournament before the World Juniors, where the Russian coach clearly stated that uh, Kostenko is a little bit slow mm. uh, in his mindset, and he needs that extra time to to um, read the game, and that's his weakness, and and we need to see him in in whatever first division league we have. In, in Russia next season in order to be able to evaluate if he's taken that step or not. Yeah, and it's also so interesting what you're saying there that he, you know, he he processes the pro, apparently processes the game slowly because we have to remember that all of these prospects that we are talking about are part of the former regime. We have no idea what Kent Hughes and, and Jeff Gorton and and others think about them going forward. Perhaps there really will be another direction coming in with more focus on, you know, pace and flair and all that. And if such is the case, maybe, you know, a lot of these players will not be interesting, not because they don't live up to expectations, but just because they don't fit what the new management want to do. Indeed. And uh, before we we uh, leave, I want to say something. And I know there's a huge Ukrainian community in in. in Canada and in Montreal so anyone listening um, everyone in Europe is is in really in a state of shock about what happened um, it's clear who's the good guys here and uh, we're supporting you we're thinking about you we think about your relatives back home and um, yeah we're hoping for a quick resolution that with a free Ukraine and um those are my thoughts, and I didn't prepare Anton for that. But uh, no, 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 it's okay. Like, I, I, I think all, I want all of us you all to know that that uh, you are more or less every waking hour on our minds, and uh, we're doing the best we can to support you, even if we think our politicians and NATO and the EU could have done more. Um, and hopefully, that will change in in the upcoming elections around Europe. I'm still very proud that Europe has kept together. And um, again, uh, we're all hoping for Ukraine to succeed in their tragic endeavor right now. But we're also very proud to see how you fight. So keep going. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.